This is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield from The Lynn Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Mike Mansfield with the Lynn Group here located in Ventura, California. Got my good friend, my co-host here, Tony Shore, as always. Tony, it's a good show. Uh, good show. It's a good uh, radio show. I don't know what we say. It's a, it's a good day today. It's a beautiful a day. To talk about. It's a beautiful Stocky. day in Ventura, California. Ah, it is, except it's just gloomy and cold. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. That's how you know it's summer, though, here in Ventura is when it gets cold and you can't see the sun anymore. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound like a Southern California summer to me. Well, you know, that's the problem is those commercials, those, those tourism commercials. Oh, yeah. You see, I'm like, come to sunny California. I'm like, what? It's freezing. Don't come. <laughs> it's not freezing. You could be in Minnesota. <laughs> could, have been 38 de- could have been 38 degrees when you woke up this morning you know, like it was in Minnesota. To, one time I went to Minnesota in January and I landed in the old Twin Cities. Why would you ever do such a thing? And, you know, I wore my nicest, you know, California fleece to keep me warm. Uh huh. And I remember walking, this is like vivid memory. I can remember walking out the doors at the airport and it was like hitting a wall, the yep. cold. I, just like it hit me. Ooh, the <laughs> heck is that? This is horrific. How can anybody exist? But yeah, hey, you're going to you know need what? more than a fleece in January. Yeah, my my, my grandest Patagonia fleece. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah. That didn't, that didn't work well. That's not real winter wear. Well, hey, uh, what are we talking about on the show today? There's a lot going on. We've well, got a lot to yeah. cover in this today's yeah, there's show. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot of current events right now. The world's falling apart. The trade wars are freaking everybody out. The yeah. the stock market's imploding. You know, off of this kind of euphoric run for the year. Um, so I thought we could talk about the doom and gloom, my friend. Let's talk about being gloomy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of upsides, but, uh, there's a lot of indicators that are scaring people. Uh, so we're going to talk about the oh, markets, yeah. the tariffs, other uh, scary topics that are happening right now. And I'm looking forward to digging into that, but uh, it sounds like you've been good though. I know you've been busy lately, haven't you? Well, yeah, you know, tis the season. I've got two. I had two kids' birthdays this month, so that was good. Ooh, and my oldest yeah. and then my third kiddo turning four. And what do we do? We had Mother's Day lately. We've had all kinds of fun stuff. It's just, you know, one party after another around here, Tony. <laughs> it always is. It always is. So As is life. where do you want to start with the current state of affairs? I mean, obviously, uh, I think the place yeah, to start no. is China. Trump oh! and China are going oh. at it, right? Yeah, you know, and that's what's funny is the stock market's been doing pretty well this year, if anybody looks at it. But it's also, everything is timing. You know, I had someone come in recently into my office, and it was funny because they they had printed out the Fidelity Mutual Funds year to date. <clears throat> and they said, Mike, look at this one Fidelity Fund. It's up like 15%. Should I shift all of my money in my 401k into that? And I said, oh, well, you know, just to be clear, that 15% has already happened. You know, this is 
You're looking back in the past. And so if we're going to just make all of our decisions based on what's happened in the last, you know, four or five months of the year, are you assuming then that's going to forward project what the return will look like through the end of the year? You know, you're going to continue to get that rate. I said, that's a very kind of narrow minded way to look at it. You know, what if we looked at the fourth quarter of last year, 2018, the market imploded. How did that fidelity fund do then? You know, is it down 15% now it's up 15%. So it's simply flat. I mean, a lot of times we lack perspective. I think that's one of the, the frustrations with investing money. Tony is people tend to become emotional. They, they suffer significantly from memory bias, meaning they look at the last number of months as this indication of what the future is going to look like. They suffer from the herd mentality that if their friends and everybody are doing the same thing, they want to do the same thing. There's a lot of, a lot of that going on. We have to be so careful with emotions because what's happening right now in the stock market, you just mentioned it. Yep. We've got some, some issues, right? Volatility. Yeah. Yeah. It took a, it took a dive on the news of uh, the trade war with China. Well, you know, and it's such an ironic issue because there were parts of the market this year where everybody said the market was up because the trade war was softening and the deal is coming together. And we all thought that this deal was coming into place and this was exciting and that's positive. And now it's getting temperamental again. But what do we know? I mean, let's, let's look at the unemotional facts here with some of the trade war. Well, one is, let's just look at the simple math. The U.S. imports uh, to to about 500 billion plus dollars in goods from China. Conversely, China imports something like 150 billion dollars. So net net, we import a lot more stuff than they do. And when we have the ability to tariff that, we have the ability to tariff a whole lot more than they can. So when we get into this, who's got the bigger sword swinging it around, being the biggest meanie on the playground kind of deal, at least we're standing in a position of strength that when they tariff all of our stuff, we still got plenty of wiggle room to go. Um, the impact on our GDP will be significantly smaller than the impact on, on China's GDP. So we have that going for us. So that's, that's at least good in the moment. You know, the, the presidency, the white house said something interesting during all of this, when the market was starting to pull back and, and we're getting into this, the market had just recently hit all time highs again, right? It peaked in uh, January of 2018. It peaked again in September of 2018. And then it was kind of peaking here in the beginning of May of 19. And, you know, the, the market was kind of at that all time high again. And as the market was pulling back, the government's attitude was, look, when is there a better time to deal with this stuff? You know, when the economy is reasonable, when the market's high, this is when we want to have these fights. This is when we want to try to get these deals in place. You know, if this was back in December when the Dow was at 21,000 and now we're going into this, yeah, 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 that would have really freaked people out. But, you know, the market's pulled back from the tippity tippity top of the pyramid and it's really not that big of a deal at the moment. The U.S. does not want to be in a trade war. China does not be in, want to be in a trade war, Tony. The world does not want to be in a trade war. Right. This is a, this is a very large game of poker that we're watching. Yep. You know, and everybody's trying to get a deal done um, because the drama ain't good. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm not that concerned personally about the trade war issue in and of itself. I think what it does is it creates a lot of emotional chaos. I mean, the first two weeks of uh, May saw the largest equity outflows that we've seen in a year. 
um, out of the stock market. So people are freaking out. They're pulling their money, all of that stuff. It starts to create other funny catalysts. Like, for example, a few days ago, we we had the inverted yield curve. Have you ever heard of that one, Tony? The inverted yield yep. curve. Yeah, oh, it's all from over. you. Oh, it's all over <laughs> for me. I'm the only, I'm the only nut that talks about that. The, um, well, you know, they talk about it on the news. I read about, you know, on the sites and that's, what's funny too, is inverted yield curve is basically when the interest rate on a three month bond is higher than the interest rate on a 10 year bond, you know, meaning you could invest in, in a three month bond and get a higher return than, than investing it for 10 years. And it's funny, Tony, because they've always used this as one of those many recession indicators. Well, the, the the yield curve inverted. That means we're having a recession in a year. So we heard about this in the beginning of the year when it happened. And so you're all going to be hearing about it on the news and everyone's going to be talking about it. It's going to be scary and upsetting. And what are we going to do? But you know what's funny is everything is like this face value issue. Everything is that one facet of the prism kind of deal where they say the yield curve inverted. Boom, we're having a recession. Well, if you go back and look at the history of these yield curve inversions that have, we'll say, been predictors of the recession, the yield curve had to invert significantly for an extended period of time to then be this indicator. And last week, basically, the three-month treasury went like, I don't know, three basis points above the 10-year. This is a micro inversion momentarily. It is, it's not real at the moment. Because remember, Tony, at the end of the day, everything's math, rules, statistics, data. Huh. And I was told there would be no math. So I'm kind of left on the outside looking in. I won't quiz you today. I won't quiz you today. We'll give you a a breather this week. Give me a pass. I know. But sorry, I I could kind of go on these rants all day long. Sorry for cutting (laughs) you out of the deal. It's okay. We do have to take a quick break here, though. Oh, uh, let you, you come up breaks, for air, man. Let you come up for air. <laughs> yeah, and we, uh, let we the listeners to regroup. Come on, man. Take it easy on us. <laughs> right, but the the listeners probably have a lot of questions <laughs> about what you've been talking about. How can sure. they get a hold of you? How do they get answers yeah, that will help absolutely. their personal situation? If you're freaking out about the trade war and you're freaking out about the yield, the in, oh my gosh, I can't even say it about the <laughs> inverted yield curve and all these things that that are great headlines to freak you out. Give me a call. 805-500-7035. 805-500-7035. If you don't have a proper retirement plan in place, if you don't know how you're going to retire and what your income looks like and what your tax liability looks like, if you haven't figured these things out, this is what I do. Give me a call. 805-500-7035. Visit our main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is L-Y-N-D. We're going to take a quick break. Tony and I will be back in a moment. In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. If you have ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at thelindgroup.com or call us today at 805 500 7035. And welcome back to the Wealth Puzzle. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore, and our host is Michael Mansfield of the Lind Group. And Michael, talking today about, well, you've covered a lot of ground, but we're mainly talking about uh, the market, 
the trade war and other scary stuff. I think that's yeah. a good title for today's show. Other um, scary stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, the trade war has a lot of us worried, but you know, a certain economic data is positive, like a uh, job. Uh, the jobs report is still good as far as employment numbers. Uh, the economy's exactly. been holding in there. So those things are good indicators. However, we do see some market volatility. We are in a little bit of political upheaval with the election coming up and the trade wars. So uh, there are other things and other factors that do come into play, aren't there? You're absolutely right. The, you know, the economics of the country are still very sound right now. We've got great job numbers. We've got low unemployment. We've got um, wage growth is up year over year significantly. The GDP for the first quarter came in stronger than expected. And you know what? What about company earnings? You know, you go back to the beginning of the year, Tony, you go back, heck, to the fourth quarter and even mid 2018. And everyone was saying, it's all over. <laughs> you know, we're going into this recession. Earnings are going to be horrific. And you know what? I mean, geez, every analyst had that we were just going to have these negative five, seven, ten percent negative earnings year over year on companies. And you know what? They were flat. And that's good. That's significantly better than what people were predicting, you know, four, five, six months ago. And, you know, the companies are coming in. They're doing better than expected. They're making more money. The consumer is spending more money. All of these things are working well in the economy right now. Obviously, we've got some current events with the trade war. We've got these things shaping up that, that freak us all out and they make us, you know, rightfully so in some respects, sell one high, you know, and then you have other things. I mean, this is the year of IPOs, Tony. Oh my gosh. How many IPOs? We've got one every single day and they all suck. It seems like, you know, look at, look at Uber, you know, they, they IPO every, you know, Lyft and I lift, lift the other Uber. Yeah. You know, yep. They come out and they're down. I don't know. They're only down 30% since they opened or something. Only. You know, Uber Uber's down only 20% or something since they opened. You know, the problem is is society shifts. You know, I was watching this documentary on uh Amazon. You know, I don't, I won't say the title of it. You'll have to you all have to find it. Um, but it was a very interesting documentary because it was talking about it's talking about wealth, really. And it was saying Tony that you know, it's amazing number of things. One is societies, the greatest societies in history, civilizations rather, had their most wealth right before they collapsed. <laughs> and then they're talking about like wow. how today people have a tendency of, you know, really having a lot of wealth and squandering it. You know, how we choose to spend money in a lot of respects is ridiculous. Um, but what this documentary was really getting into it was really the shift in the American dream. And I thought that this was fascinating because it was saying, Hey, you know what? In the old days, you know, a hundred years ago, the American dream was about working hard, creating something, being responsible, being frugal and, 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 you know, and then repeating basically. And if you did that, boom, 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 you worked hard, you hustled, you worked hard, you hustled. All of a sudden you could have it all. You could be great. You could build a business. You could find success. And things have shifted. You know, the new American dream is, is how do I get it all without doing a lot? You know, can I be a rapper? Can I be a, you know, some, something that, that brings me money quickly without this, this years of methodical hard work. And it's interesting because that's how I'm perceiving these IPOs lately. You know, once again, Uber's a very interesting company. 
They, you know, Lyft is a very interesting company. They have a great model. It's kind of fun. You can call someone on your phone and they'll come pick you up. Woohoo. Um, but what's the deal here? Everybody's investing in, in companies that are not profitable. And what it all boils down to is this lottery ticket, this home run mentality, is we all want to throw money at these things in an attempt to suddenly, boom, we got on the next big thing and it's all over for us. Done deal. We can cash it all in and go to the yacht. Have you seen those E-Trade commercials, Tony? Oh, yeah. They're so funny. Yeah, they are. Gosh. (laughs) Don't get mad. Get (laughs) E-Trade. Yeah. Yeah. The dorkiest kid in high school just got a yacht. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, the so, janitor anyways, has I'm on a some kind of rant today. Sorry, but well, no, and you make a good point. Obviously, spending is part of the issue. Uh, you know, the housing market can be a factor. It's crazy. Things go up and down. We get upside down. So, what can we do? I mean, do we just well, have to sit around going, "I hope it doesn't happen when I really need no, the money in no, retirement"? No. Yeah. See, see, everything is about positioning. And, and that's what where, where most people struggle. See, the problem is, is you're wired. Your whole life, what did you do? You threw money in your 401k. You threw it in the stock market. It grew. And you repeated. You know, save, grow, save, grow kind of thing. When you retire, though, the shift has to change. You have to start reconsidering that things are different with your money. Your, your accumulation phase is different than your distribution phase. And you have to properly earmark the assets you're using for income. That way they don't have these stock market dramatizations. The one thing I can tell you right now with the stock market crashing down lately is none of my clients that own stocks, none of the income that they're getting for this year is coming from the stock market. So when the market goes up and goes down, it has no impact on their cash flow. And that's what you need. You need to make sure that you are properly segmenting, bucketing, allocating, whatever word you want to use, the assets into the places so that your income is protected, you have responsible cash flow, and you still have the equities, the stocks. I love the stock market. Look, you know, if my average client is 65 years old, I would love them to live another 35 years. So we don't want to just move everything out of the stock market. We want to hedge against growth. We want to hedge against taxes and inflation. We want our equities, but we have to hold them in a place where it does not impact our cash flow. The problem is, Tony, some people just have a hard time with this stuff. And what they like to do is they like to use their gut. Oh, my gut told me that I should, you know, buy more, sell less or whatever the heck it told you. So this Dalbart Institute thing, if anybody wants this study, it is awesome. So call me 805-500-7035. Shoot us an email kind of a thing on our website, whatever. And I will send you this study. But what this study does is every single year, the Dalbar Institute goes through this quantitative investor behavior analysis where they do all these studies and look at all the returns. And what they do is they say, how did the average individual investor do? How did the average fixed income investor do? What about the investor that was, we'll say has average allocation, kind of like that 60, 40 portfolio. And then they just compare that to the stock market and they compare that to the bond index. And, and it's very fascinating, right? You know, so we can kind of look at this pretty well. Um, Let's see what we got here. Let's look at the last 12 months. So the last 12 months, this was as of December 31st. So this is for 2018. Does anyone, Tony, do you remember 2018? I remember that far back. Yeah. 
Vaguely. I yeah, mean, I like, remember we had some serious market look, volatility at the, the end of that year. In the good old days. Any idea how the S&P 500 ended the year? Not good. It was down, right? Yeah, but, you know, if you had to throw a number at it, what would you think in your head? Down 600%, down half a percent. Any ideas? I don't know. Uh, right. I thought it was down like 600, 400 points. I don't know. It was down yeah. a lot, okay. wasn't it? So the S&P 500 last year lost 4.38%. Yeah. So first negative year in a decade, down 4.38%. How do you think the average individual investor did last year, Tony? Think they made money? Think they lost money? Let's start there. They made money. They made money last year. So the stock market's down 4.38% and you think the individual investor made money? Yep. So they beat the heck out of the stock market. Jeez, you know, this is why this is why I have you here. <laughs> it is the the average investor last year lost nine point four two percent. Oh, they lost over a whole year over the whole year. Yeah, over the course of the year. Hmm. So the stock market's down four percent. They're down over nine percent. So the average individual investor, but they made did, that back up. Like <laughs> buzzkill, hey, we gonna work with the current set of data here <laughs> Jeez, man yeah they made it back up until last week and then the trade war that's took right. off from them that's right that pesky trade war the um but you know in 2018 the average individual investor who thought they were smarter than everybody who thought you know used the gut to make the decision they did twice as bad as the stock market wow what do you think the bonds did last year the bond index last year any ideas I'll tell you, I'm going to I'm going to stop asking you questions after your last answer. You, <laughs> you freaked me out, Tony. <laughs> Bonds last year were flat. They were actually up 0.01%. So they were flat. And the average bond investor last year lost 2.84%. Hmm. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah. So the S&P 500 was up or was down 4%. Bonds were up Nothing. They were just flat. And the average investor lost over 9% in the stocks and lost almost 3% in their bonds. It's significantly worse than the stock market. You know, and then I have these ratios. I can look at how, how do we do over three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. That's what's great about this study is it tracks individual investors versus the markets for these periods of times. And remember, individual investor is different than institutional investor. An institutional investor where you have a professional money manager is completely different from what we're talking about. Um, but even in 20 years, well, let's let's look at something more relevant. Uh, let's look at the last three years. In the last three years, the S&P 500 has averaged a positive 9.26% return. That's even including the bad last year. And the average individual investor is up a little over 5%. So once again, doing half as well all the time. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> underperforms the market. Why is that? Well, why do you think it is, Tony? Because they invest with emotions <laughs> rather than looking at the economic indicators and listening to their financial advisors. Boom! Look at that. That was that was. Uh -huh. I tried to do a real sound. Trying to make up for make up for my <gasps> missing. No, that was that was question. deep. I liked it. But you're right. If you read this, you know, twenty page study, all it finally gets into is. Individual investors are terrible at what they do because most of them are, are emotional. 
you know, and there's a number of things they like to do. The friends and family are their financial advisors and financial geniuses. And they ask their friends and family what to do. And then it goes through all of these psychological screw ups that people have loss aversion, narrow framing, mental accounting, diversification issues, anchoring, optimism, media response, regret, and of course, hurting, you know, this whole study focuses on that. If you want to make decisions, you can't make them emotionally. It has to be based on facts. And it doesn't mean that the facts are always right, Tony, right? Does, does good economic data mean the stock market always goes up? No. Not at all. Not at all. But at least Obviously, it makes because us Because we've be... had some good economic data and it went down recently. Exactly. Well, exactly. Current events. And, but the whole point is, is at least when we can make unemotional decisions and make it from data points, that quantitative analysis kind of information... At least we can be statistically efficient when the timing is askew. Same thing happening right now. If the stock market continues to go down based on a trade war, continues to go down based on political things and, you know, impeachment headlines and Russia and all this stuff, you have to decide as an investor, is that more of an emotional event or more of a, a factual event? How is that impacting the numbers? How is that impacting the economics? Jack Bogle, right? You know, Fantastic investor, founder of Vanguard, died in the beginning of the year, you know, 90 years old. What did he say? He said that you never follow the stock market. You follow economic data. If the economics are good, you stay in. If the economics are strong, you keep going. And if they're not, then you jump. But right now, there's no strong justification right now, Tony, that the economics are horrific. So is it really time to jump ship? I don't know. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody has the crystal ball, obviously, but there are things you can do to make sure that you have your assets properly allocated so you don't have all your eggs in one basket and you don't have exactly. all your money at risk, which is the bottom line. Now, we're almost out of time for today's right. show. Is there anything else you want to add? Look, everybody needs a financial plan. They need a retirement income plan. Like Tony just said, there's nothing wrong with the stock market, but you need to have your assets properly allocated to make sure that your income is not impacted by the stock market. See, I'm younger. I can have all my money in the stock market and it could go up and down all day because I can't touch it for 20 years. But if you're retired or you're retiring, your allocation has to be completely different. We need to know where your income's coming from. We need to know what your cash flow looks like. We need to understand your tax liability and we need to make sure that you're protected. If you don't have that kind of a plan in writing, in place that you can refer to, give me a call, 805-500-7035. Certainly visit our main websites, thelindgroup.com, L-Y-N-D is how you spell Lind. And then our radio show website is wealthpuzzleradio.com. You can go there to sign up for our podcasts and all of that good stuff. Hey, you know what? We appreciate our listeners. I hope I wasn't yelling at y'all too much today. Let's not be emotional. Let's make good decisions. And we'll be back the same time, same place next week. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Puzzle. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805-500-7035 or visit them online at thelindgroup.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. 
Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by the Lynn Group Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of California. Insurance products and services are offered through the Lynn Group LLC. The Lynn Group LLC and the Lynn Group Advisors LLC are not affiliated companies. Lynn Group LLC, the Lynn Group Advisors LLC, and Michael Mansfield are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.